1: Learn more at marines.com.
2: It's on ESPN. Lance Lynn shines in Yankees debut. Two hits, no earned runs in the seven and the third. Just blowing White Sox hitters away.
1: He's been good twice now. He's fat and happy, I told you. Look at him. Oh,
2: a little spring in his step there.
1: A little oh, yeah. strikeout. A little,
2: a little one-legged oh, yeah. hop he's there loving, off the mound. He's loving life now that he's out of here. Good for him. Now. All right, Dave's got some questions for us. And Manny Lagos, sporting director for Minnesota United FC, will join us in 30 to talk about that. Christian Ramirez trade from yesterday. Well, let's do a Lance
0: Lynn question then, because he's sort of the opposite of what today's pecking order was. Today's pecking order being these sports one-hit wonders, guys that came here and blew up for a season or for a short time, then all of a sudden, it was all gone. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the Lance Lynns, The guys that were pretty good came here, did absolutely nothing, and then left, and hey, they're pretty good again. (laughs) Yeah. Any favorites you can think of right off the top of your head? Because Jason Marquis pops in my head right away as a uh, twin. Yeah. Who, uh, what, who went to San Diego, right? And was immediately uh, pretty darn good again. Yeah, in yeah, that big He was mark.
2: very borderline even from the get go because he had like a four and a half year in the National League. But, True. But he had an eight and a half year with the twins. <laughs> so. Well, JJ J. Hardy is my favorite one. I mean, JJ J. Hardy the Twins bought low on him because he had kind of an injury plague down season his last year with the Brewers. And, and so they traded. It was it was two teams buying low. It was Carlos Gomez, the Brewers were buying low on Gomez, and the Twins were buying low on J.J. Hardy. And uh, and Hardy hit a bunch of home runs to left field at Miller Park because he, he had 25 home run seasons with the Brewers. And he kind of found out that that power alley didn't really exist at Target Field in 2010. So he had a hard time with power, but... You know, he, when he was healthy, he was he hit for some batting average and he was fine. But his wrist, he had a wrist problem. So instead of you know, let's try to milk this thing for one more year and see what happens, and let's get him healthy, and let's certainly not sell low on this guy right now. The Twins said, uh yeah, he's I don't know, he's not a fit, he's banged up. We love Nishiyoka in Japan. We've seen all of his YouTube highlights, none of his yeah. none of his bad stuff, but all of his YouTube he's highlights, great in video. Yeah. He, he goes to Baltimore and immediately rips off 30 home runs with the Orioles, and he's one of the best-hitting shortstops in baseball. So J.J. Hardy for me, for sure.
1: I'm trying to think of somebody who so somebody who came here, failed, and then went, went elsewhere and was really good, or good. And I, I'm hard-pressed to think of one. Pominville came here with expectations, let us down, went back to Buffalo and, and actually I think had three more goals last year than he scored in his last year here. But I don't know if I can think of one off top of my head who went somewhere else and absolutely thrived. Tommy Her was good in St. Louis, came here and started crying, literally crying.
2: Yeah. Mike Miller's another
0: one. Yeah, those are fair. I mean, doesn't have to necessarily been yeah. success after they left. And then but...
1: Her went to uh, the Phillies and I think was just o- okay. Um, but I'm trying to think of like Vikings who came here and then and were wretched and left. Herschel came here, was great that first game, if you recall. Actually had a good season, I think. Regressed, and then I do believe he went to Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm correct on this, and had a thousand yard rushing season. So, and that one, that one was such a bad fit for a while. But I don't know if anybody drives me crazy who who left and found great success. There were plenty who came here, failed us miserably, and then departed.
2: Yeah, the the Mike Miller experiment was just very bizarre and odd with the Timberwolves. He didn't shoot here, right? Right. One of the best three point shooters (laughs) in the NBA. And if you go look at his career arc, it's it goes 12 points per game, 15, 16, 11, 13, 14, 18, 16 points per game, nine points per game with the Timberwolves. yeah, And then back up to 11 and et cetera, et cetera. And so he came in here, his three-pointer, it was like, he just—it was like he wanted to prove that he didn't need the three-pointer to be an effective player. So he just distributed. He'd, he'd <laughs> wide-open looks for three, and he would was just dribble crazy. in and pass to somebody else. And then he went on to be a key figure for those Heat teams that won championships as a guy who could space the floor. So, yeah.
0: Part of the opening bell of this broadcast today was Judd panicking. Freaking out and then continuing that conversation about the Vikings' offensive line. Woes. Then collar piled on. It was great. Week and a half into training camp. Yes, a lot of bad news. We've got injuries all over the place. Things are a problem in the interior with that offensive line. So let's just say Judd's panicking pays off, I guess. Maybe that's how we want to say it. Let's okay. say the whole thing goes south. Injuries linger. We've got all sorts of problems. And the old line is just a shell of what it could be or what it was even last year. Mm-hmm. What's the future for this Vikings ball club, if that's the case?
1: Oh, then you're going to have to win with defense completely, which is going to take, which means you'll still win, but you won't. But it's going to affect Cousins for sure because he needs to be protected. Um I think if the offensive line just completely falls apart and this whole thing goes to hell, I think you could still finish eight and eight. Mm-hmm. but you're going to take away wins for sure but but let's just say let's say that you that that your offense takes a huge step back your line is no good and so n- now you're completely going to rely on what is a very good defense which i'm going to assume is going to be the case i say 8 and 8
2: i think 7 and 9 or 8 and 8 is about their worst case scenario you know barring a rash of crazy injuries on defense so the fact that things could go horribly wrong and they could still compete for a playoff spot is a pretty good indicator of where this team's at on the top end. Yeah, I mean they had a they had a terrible offensive line two years ago, like a historically bad offensive line. What was their record? Seven and nine. Well, they got to the, to the five and, and start
1: fell apart. Eight and eight, eight and eight because they they won that last game against the Bears. So they went eight and eight
2: yes. with an absolute paper mache offensive line that year and yep. a defense that was good but not this good. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, yeah, it's not going to be a train wreck.
0: We are going to talk about Becca and the Bachelorette at some point before the show is over, right, fellas?
2: We, uh, we, I mean, we could wipe out everything else from here until the end of the show if you want. And That's just not a bad idea. F- we could go uh, Bachelorette VentLine 651-646-8255. <laughs> Sporting
1: director, what do you think of the Bachelorette, Manny?
2: <laughs> yeah, Manny Lagos thinks he's coming on to answer yeah, questions uh-uh. about trading their, the fan-favorite player. No, no, no.
0: Beckett chills, Garrett. Unbelievable. Uh, but anyway, we'll save that for when we actually dive deep. I want to simply know, since Phil, I know you were all in on the finale last night. Judd, you've certainly watched some reality tv trashy tv in your time had to if you had to pick one two three whatever it is reality tv shows to have been or currently be a cast member of and wow. you can even make yourself a kardashian if you'd like uh. By the way, I'm taking very cavalleri off the list cuz that's oh, everybody's number 1. Oh, come on, I just want right to hang out with Jake. I know we all want to hang out with Smoke and Jay, but that one's off the list cuz that's oh. number 1 with a bullet right now that thing's coming out of the <laughs> come out of the gate so quickly. He's a superstar <laughs> because of this. The reality shows you would have liked to be on, not just behind the scenes, but a character to be involved in all the drama.
2: Uh, well, I'll throw out a couple of MTV favorites, and one, I'll, I'll still duck in on one of them once in a while. I haven't watched The Real World in like 10 or 15 years, but The Real World, there was a time when I, in college, said, you know, my life goal in my 20s is to be on The Real World, and <laughs> that never even applied, because just, I don't know, the show just turned into let's just get bombed every night and uh, get dumb jobs. Is that that show is still running, though, huh? I think so. I think it is. Is it? Yeah. And no, plus, they gave them, like, jobs. I, I hated that. Yeah, but they would. It would just be job. like these pointless jobs. That they'd, yeah. basically, if you could answer the bell by about ten o'clock in the morning and go to your tanning. Salon, I like the drinking days more, hot tub days. Well, they still do that too. Those are more fun. No, like they do that too. That's pretty much the show. They drink, they hot tub, and then they go to work once in a while, <laughs> and they go clubbing to bars. Sounds like our jobs. The other show, I don't know how long I would last because, like the the physical nature of this, I would I would not be. Uh, like the guy, the CT guy, the the bulk that muscles on the challenge, the MTV challenge shows, okay, where it's physical competition and you vote people off, and it's it's kind of a combination. I would fail miserably at the physical part of it, but the mental part of it would be kind of fun. And part of me would also put Survivor on the list, just because it's the most famous reality show of the last twenty years, but like scrounging around for food and stuff. I don't know if that seems too appealing, but just to say you're on survivor to be on an Island and strategically trying to manipulate people into voting, you know, for whoever would be kind of fun. It's all too much work for me. <laughs> all right. Well, what shows would you be on? Hold on. I just wrote my list
1: down, but I have my glasses on to read it. <laughs> my third choice. Antiques roadshow. My, no, that looks boring too. Don watches a bunch of that crap. It looks so boring. Duck dynasty. No, also looks incredibly boring. Celebrity Rehab. <laughs> Doctor, Dr. Drew, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. And that would, be, that would be so much dysfunction. That would be fun. Number two, real world first five years. The first five years were fun. Like now I've got no clue. But if I remember correctly, like year two or three was the real world Los Angeles with like Beth and that cowboy guy ages ago. Early 90s or so. Anyway, I'd be in the first five years. That's it, though. None of this year 25 crap. Um, And the last one, the fat farm one. One, I'd lose weight, which would be awesome. Oh, Biggest Loser. No, no. What, what's the old one, though, that, that like uh, Dustin Diamond was on? Is that, that the one? That's biggest celebrity, loser. Fit, celebrity, celebrity Fit Club. Fit Club. Oh, okay. Celebrity Fit Club. Dysfunction with fat people and you get to drop pounds. That'd be my top one. Two of these are involving celebrities. Are you claiming yourself as a celebrity? You just gave me a opportunity to be in shows. Well, I'm just curious. No, no, no. I'm not claiming myself. I'm just saying because I don't want to do stuff where I have to think or move too much. I guess I've, I've got to in in Fat Club. I've got to work out, so yeah. I get that.
2: But like Phil's challenging himself on an island, I got no interest in that. Have you guys seen? Or I don't heard of, argue with these people either. I know this one, because you guys are both married, and I'm, I'm and I am happily with someone for multiple years. But yeah. In a different reality, there's a show called Married at First Sight." Are you guys yes, aware I'm, of the show? I'm familiar? No. So they pair people up. They go through background checks and they match people's so a bunch of people apply for the show. yeah, and every season they follow three couples that meet each other at the altar. So they document the process leading up to it. and so the first episode is them Getting Married. And their families being at this wedding and a lot of families aren't approving of this process. But they get married and so they, they meet each other oh. in the tux and in the wedding dress at the altar. And they introduce, hi, I'm Judd. <laughs> oh, hi, I'm Don. And this is the first time we're meeting. And then they have anywhere between like two and three months to be together until they have the final meeting on the last episode. And they have to decide, do you want to stay married? So I'm watching <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the season right now. Just I don't know if I've caught every episode. Who shows us? I think TLC or Lifetime. No, Lifetime. Lifetime. I think it's Lifetime. All right. Uh, And and I think it's Lifetime. I might watch it. Phil binging on Lifetime. (laughs) And they show some- Coming up next Lifetime uh, Lifetime movie. Well, Lifetime also shows very self-aware Lifetime movie promos- I think Lifetime made these corny movies a long time ago, and, but they were very serious about it. They're fantastic. Now they're very much self-aware of yes. how corny their movies are. Yes. And so the the copy and, and all the Starring Laurie Lachlan in our 19th <laughs> Lifetime film. This year only. You'll stop now. So, so get this. First episode, or maybe it was the second episode of this most recent season. Yep. This couple gets married. Yep. And uh, episode two is they're going to go off to Mexico, Cancun, for their honeymoon. And they get to the airport and the gal gets arrested at the gate. Oh, no. Okay. And this guy's like, I don't, I mean, I don't know this woman really. We just got married. She's my wife. I don't really know this woman. And it turns out that a previous relationship led to a restraining order being put on her. Yeah. And so she got arrested for violating a restraining order of some kind with her previous relationship and had to then explain her way out of this to this guy that she's just marrying for the first time. It is the trashiest most amazing reality show. <laughs> so and they decided gonna, to wow. stay together. This guy's going to stay he's going to stay in the relationship and try and make it work. Wow, he might be more psycho <laughs> than she is. <laughs> oh, TV
1: has devolved. How much hasn't do you it? get? <laughs> so if if you're in a show like that what do you
2: get exactly? And you get love. You what get, do you mean you get love? I mean, you get, a lasting do you get relationship. paid for it? I have no idea. To stay in it? I'm sure you get paid to some extent, but it's not like you're quitting your job. I don't think you're quitting your job. So you
1: keep your job, but it, but you might get an extra chunk oh, of change. Maybe
2: get a couple. If I bucks. Got
1: paid enough, I'd probably stick around too. Well,
2: no, you're not getting paid to stay in the marriage. You would just be getting paid to be on TV if right. you are at all. And right, right. but if I dissolve, money. right,
1: but if I if she gets busted and I'm like I'm done here, then I don't continue to get the stipend or or the. Perks I'm sure they're that I'm paying you get. to
2: be on the show. Okay, so you can, um, I'd stay in it then. Solid move. <laughs> I don't think they're attaching like a monetary monetary prize for grinding out the marriage. It might be. It defeats the Actually, purpose. Actually, in real of the life, show. they should. <laughs> wow. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet on fifteen hundred ESPN.
0: Get high in the air, deep center field. Cave is back. Track wall goal when Encarnacion, a three-run home run to center. 10-0 Indians. And Encarnacion, four RBIs tonight. 80 on the year, and home run number 25. So the Indians, on a hot summer night, playing <laughs> home run derby. Yeah,
2: and, now, and now your guy, your guy, uh, Kane Glenn Jacobs, the new mayor of Knox County, Tennessee is on outside the lines with Bob Lee right now <laughs> and he looks so good for a guy who was burned Look, watch him he's gonna she's gonna give Pete Rose a tombstone here This is a WrestleMania like 20 years ago wait wait Pete, that's Pete Rose in Pete, the San Diego Pete, chicken Pete costume Pete Rose showed up dressed as the San Diego chicken. Oh. And, uh, oh, you're got kidding. His ass in me. tombstone in the center of the ring. Oh, my. I had no idea. Oh, this is glorious. Uh, that's hilarious. Hi. My name is Glenn <laughs> Jacobs, and I'm
1: running for mayor of Knox County here in the great state of Tennessee. In my career, I've been blessed to travel all over the world and see all the great communities that our country has to offer. But in my opinion, Knox County is the best place to live, work, and raise a
2: family. Yeah.
1: <laughs> What's better? What's better, the fact that Kane is now going to run Knox County or the fact that Pete Rose dressed up as the San Diego Chicken in 1999 and I had oh, yeah. no idea till Pete now. Pete Rose
2: went on a run there where I think he was at three, three consecutive oh. WrestleManias as like a, a guest of some kind, and all three of them got tombstoned by Kane. Or Glenn Jacobs, the new mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Uh, we have <laughs> in our hands a letter from Derek Falvey to season ticket holders. I'm going to read yes. through some of this. It's actually pretty long. I'm going to read through some of this, and you put your Twins season ticket holder hat on, and you react, okay? All right. You tell me what you think of this. I I like the fact that they go out of their way to try and explain, like, hey, I know we traded a bunch of fan favorites, so here's what he wrote. As part of a continued commitment to transparency and partnership with key stakeholders like you, I wanted to take a moment to share some of the internal perspective that contributed to our trade deadline decisions over the past couple weeks. It's not lost on me the emotional impact that comes along with changes of this magnitude, and I commit uh, to you that we will never take that for granted. We began 2018 eager to build off a memorable run to the American League wildcard game. Much progress had been made in the second half of the season, and with the bulk of that group returning, we believe there was momentum to build off of. Our off-season goal was to marry that core group from 17 to, with a targeted infusion of external talent via free agency and trade, with a vision of taking steps toward competing for a central division crown. Unfortunately, as we have all witnessed so far, we have not tracked consistently enough this season to turn that vision into a reality... yet. The season went to bleep, is what he's trying to say. Yes. We weathered some injuries, dealt with a suspension, collectively performed at a level short of expectations. It's no secret that as a team, we have not yet clicked in a way that reflects what we believe this group could achieve on the field. I'm going to stop right there. I feel like Falvey and Levine are getting hammered for the trade deadlines the last couple of years because they also carry luggage and baggage from the previous regime that kind of steered the plane into a mountain a little bit there with 90 lost seasons and a 100 lost season. And so I think fans are mad, rightfully so, about a decade and a half of playoff futility and regular season futility. I mean, they haven't won a playoff game in a, dec- a decade plus. And so these guys come in and it's like, all right, we're going to win. And we uh, overachieve in that first year and now come back to reality and people get mad again. I like the fact that they, they come on radio shows like this. They send out letters and and they're pretty open that, hey, we're just not there yet. And we're yeah. going to we're going to keep building this thing. I think this
1: is a smart move and I get it from both sides like I get what they're doing and and I do th- think that the expectations that they came into 2018 with from lots of us m- might have been I think they were fair. I don't necessarily know in retrospect they were as realistic as as we should have been. And I get, hey, listen, if you invest in in season tickets to the Twins, I get you're mad. Mm-hmm. So I think this makes sense from both ends. Yeah. And and I think this is I think this is a pretty good way of at least trying to articulate what you were doing.
2: And just to add to it, Derek Falvey continues to write to season ticket holders. On July 27th, less than a week out from the trade deadline, we sat at the 100-game mark. More than 60% of the season had passed, and we were six games below 500 and seven and a half games behind first-place Cleveland, ranking ninth of the 15 teams in the American League. Translation? We were terrible, and we were really far into the season. (laughs) It got real bad. We were tasked with a difficult decision to either invest more in 2019 and beyond, or stay the course and hope for a significant rebound (laughs) and improved health. So we could either make the prudent move, which is get rid of assets that are probably not going to be with us beyond this season and collect future assets, or cross our fingers and close our eyes and pray to God. I want to make one thing clear, he writes. Our commitment will and always be to invest in the now or in the future. It's our, as opposed to in the past, which would be hilarious. We have signed Ken Herbeck to a five-year contract. <laughs> we believe the 1991 season <laughs>
1: is coming back. Chili Davis is joining yeah. our team.
2: Yeah. Um, he says, it is uh, our fervent belief that by doing neither teams will run past us. That's not an acceptable outcome and would represent a missed opportunity. And he, he continues yep. on to. Which
1: basically means that we're not going to sit there in in a uh, crappy present and, and hope.
2: Yeah, we're going yeah.
1: And you know what? The thing that we have to keep in mind, too, and this is not to be a Twins apologist, but the thing we have to remember is they made a couple moves at the deadline last year, and I think in their heart of hearts, they wanted to make more. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, we, but we simply can't because the league is down. If the American League had been, had been more competitive in 2017, they would have made more trades. And I think they came in here with a two- or three-year plan to be charged with to make changes. Mm -hmm. And they need to. So I think this is a very smart explanation of a strategy that they came very close to and to some degree employed in 2017 and were hell-bent on employing in 2018 Mm -hmm. when you're as far back as they were in late July.
2: Yep. I think it's possible to to say two things. Number one, it is really frustrating if you're a Twins fan and you're watching Cleveland run this division the last few years— and you popped up and then you went back down and it's, you want success. And let's be honest, that Ron Gardenhire era, the Terry Ryan, Ron Gardenhire, Bill Smith era from 2001 through the rest of that decade feels very incomplete because you had all this regular season success and the natural progression would have been to break through, get to a world series, do some damage in the postseason. And they never did that. So it just, it felt hollow in a lot of ways because they never did it in October. And then instead of taking the next step, they went down in the dumps, lost a bunch of games, kind of reverted back to where they were in the 90s, and now you're trying to get back on the upswing. So long-term frustration. But I think you can also say, yeah, frustrated long-term, but I really like what these guys have done for the most part the last couple of years. They haven't been flawless. They've made some moves that are probably mistakes, but most GMs will. Theo Epstein has made moves that are mistakes. Look at that contract they signed, uh, uh, what's his name, Jason Hayward to. The terrible contract. But I like these guys. Frustrated as a Twins fan, but also I think hopeful for the future. So I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Manny Lagos, sporting director for Minnesota United FC, will join us when we come back. The Loons made a big trade yesterday. And uh, I guess trade is probably the Americanized word for it, but he will explain uh, the move yesterday. Christian Ramirez, maybe the most popular player in franchise history, if you include the last couple years of NASL, and he goes to Los Angeles FC. What does it mean? I know fans are not happy. We'll talk about it next with Manny Lagos. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. It's Phil Mackie. You know, the one thing that sets Phil apart is Phil's been really good for the game. And he takes time out for people. and Judd Zolgad. One of the most well-respected, esteemed journalists. Guy seems to break news before you even knew there was something to break. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
0: The goal kick. Coleman with a header. In
2: for Ramirez with a shot. He scores! Christian Ramirez volleyed one over the head of Matt Turner. It's an early Minnesota goal! All right, I think um, most fans have seen the news as of yesterday, and we wanted to go uh, straight to the source Minnesota United FC. Upcoming game this Saturday here on 1500 ESPN. It'll be a 9.30 p.m. start time. It's a long road trip beginning with uh, a match at LA Galaxy. But Manny Lagos is the sporting director. He's our friend, Minnesota United FC. And I think you know the the Twins went through this a little while ago when they traded fan favorite Brian Dozier and another fan favorite, Eduardo Escobar. And we were just talking. Derek Falvey sent out a note to season ticket holders uh, kind of explaining the move. And we just... If you could explain to fans who are wondering why would you trade Christian Ramirez, why would you get rid of him? Uh, Manny, we'd love to hear your thoughts.
3: Yeah, no, I I would say, obviously, that first and foremost, you know, to the fans, we want to thank Christian for everything he's done for the club. I think he's been great in the community. Um, Certainly for me, uh, it's a great story to tell our fan base about development, because we grabbed this kid when he was making like 100 bucks a week. and. We brought him here, and his development pathway grew into what the player is today. And we grew from NASL to MLS with him. So yeah. on that level, it's just it's a really nice story. Um, when it gets into the tough part of it, it, it there is the side of like we have to think about what's best for the club to move forward and where we want to go. And certainly on a couple levels, you know, Christian um, has done a great job. You know, we, we were starting to get more depth, both experience in that position plus young guys. And we just felt like it was the right time to move Christian somewhere where he could be like back home, and we have now the ability to kind of position ourselves to build in our roster in areas of the field. Unlike Christian's position, where we're really heavy uh, parts of the field that we want to get better. So you know, we we think it was a, a win win for for everybody.
1: Explain what what comes back too, because I'm I'm unclear on on exactly uh, how you now can use the uh, the cash or or resources that came back in this trade.
3: Yeah, so I would probably take up a whole show to really explain everything, but essentially I'll, I'll do two things. Certainly in the world of soccer, you're more in like a stock market transfer business where you buy and sell players probably more than you trade assets of players like you would in, in our uh, American football and basketball and baseball. Um, once we do that sell globally, uh, there's, the, the money goes to some of the leagues, some to the owners, and some to, you know, back to our our cap budget within our cap budget we have what's called allocation money it's how we kind of build out our roster and, and become cap line all, compliant all the time so essentially we got in this deal we got five hundred thousand dollars in general allocation money and three hundred thousand and target allocation money and then we have another two hundred thousand uh kicker when christian plays x amount of games and, and does well with that million dollars, we now can use it any way we want over the next couple of years to buy down salaries, become cap compliant, to trade or sign a player, to trade for what's called international spots. So it, it really gives us a large amount of money to buy down our cap to always uh, uh, to, to always be cap compliant. I mean, essentially, we, we essentially could get three players from this deal just from the money this year we got.
2: Okay, so can so just I guess just to to explain it in a, in a in a simple form you're essentially you're essentially looking to collect assets or players that are going to help you 2019 and beyond or is there still a chance that you could add a player or two or whatever it may be for these upcoming seven or eight games
3: there is still a chance uh, that we could. You know, our, our window for international stuff closes tomorrow. Um, uh, we're still working really hard to see if there's avenues there. Um, we did sign a couple of foreign players this window, so we're really excited about, obviously, Colombian and Ravidas, a designated player, uh, Romario Barra, uh, Ecuadorian winger. Um, so yeah, so within this, the next day or two, there might be some movement there. If not, then we have some domestic looking at the guys in our lower league. Um, and ultimately, it is, I would say for the next two to three months this money, but also really it moves forward into being really hot roster healthy going into this two thousand nineteen season.
2: Yeah. Uh, Manny Lagos is the sporting director for Minnesota United FC with us here on Mackey and Judd. Darwin Quintero has been phenomenal so far. Uh, mm-hmm. nine goals in sixteen appearances since you added him to the roster. What what can you tell us about the scouting process? How do you when when you're scouring the earth and, and whether that's in the next Thirty-six hours or long-term? How do you find guys like Darwin Quintero? What what's that process like for the club?
3: So I, I think Darwin Quintero, you know, he's one of these guys who uh, is interesting. He's from Colombia, but he, he's played his trade only in Mexico. So he his global presence, I think, in the European hemisphere and here isn't quite as big. But in obviously Mexico and South America, you know, he's got over five hundred thousand Twitter followers. He's he's actually had the largest transaction interleague within mexico i think around 15 million dollars so this is a this was a significant player what happened for us in terms of grabbing him is he was coming at, a, at the end of a contract with one of the biggest clubs in mexico he was looking for a different environment uh, and, and frankly it was just great for us to kind of relate to the player kind of sell our vision our project um and when we signed him i, I knew he was going to be impactful I had no idea that he's going to be top five player in the league type of impact, which he has been. So it's been a, a great signing for us. Um, he is such a great young man. So excited about the project here, the team, the new stadium. Um, you know, he, he's he's bought a house in, in the urban core, raising his family. So he is full bought into uh, this project and environment in Minnesota.
1: On Christian, uh, but back to him. What do you say to the the fit fan base that? that is upset because i saw a ton of tweets last night and clearly that this guy was loved uh and business decisions certainly ha- have to be made in sports but to that fa- fan base that really hadn't seen a move like this what what do you say to them to to calm them
3: i i, I mean I, I i say i get it i feel it we i feel it in a different way I, I mean when i take myself out of this role for for other sports i'm a fan as well and and there's times that it gets frustrating it's tough um, again, I, I will go back to, to me, this is such a cool story for the club and Christian and how we grew up together and, and how, you know, uh, his path towards uh, developing into a high-level professional athlete came from this community and, and really defined him, and he also got to to help us push forward into MLS. So I I think all of that is, is, is really, really positive. Um, and then you just have to take a deep breath, and, and I think these are moments where the club... Uh, you know, really had to assess what's in the best interest of the club. And, and I know that's tough sometimes for a fan base to hear, but that's what this job's about. That's what the job of the club is doing. And, and we're still in a, a building phase of trying to grow and get better in this league. And, and certainly the guys have done a great job dealing with last year and a half of, I think, putting a nice special product and environment on the field. Uh, our ambitions are to go higher. We, we need to build and get better. And, and, again, at the end of the day, we, we do feel like this decision – Helps
2: us do that. So where, where would you say, Manny, uh, just to piggyback off that, where would you say things are when, when you sat down and from a front office perspective had a vision, uh, when you hired Adrian Heath, where are things right now uh, and where do they line up compared to what your maybe two- or three-year vision was out of the gate when when uh, when the move to MLS happened?
3: I, I, I mean, I, I when I talk to the, to the media and the fans, I, I always start with uh, we believe we are going to be a championship team. We believe our club is going to be competing year in and year out to get to the playoffs and be fighting for the MLS Cup. There's no doubt. We, we feel like uh, the type of ownership group we have, the type of vision we're putting together, and, and even the type of community that we think in the soccer world, we've got a way to springboard off of our new stadium, you know, a training facility that we, we've put some really good energy and investment into, And combined with, I just think we have this special ownership group that's going to grow into being an amazing board and leadership level uh, that we're just tapping the surface of. I think all of that, um, and I say we're we're not where we want to be. We're around the cusp of pushing the playoffs, which was part of the plan. I think we want to be a little bit further along in terms of where we were in terms of uh, in the playoff hunt, but we're right there. And I think these next three months we're going to learn a lot about the team With that, if you take a step back, we've got a great core. We have a really good core of players that we now know uh, we're excited to build off of for the future. So uh, I I would say it's not good enough. We want to get better, but gosh, we're in a good spot in terms of the core of players that we're excited to build around in the future.
1: That being said, then what's the next step and, and how do you get there?
3: Well, this is part of it. I, again, I, I, it, it's not a, it, I don't think it can be explained just here on this call, but, uh, you know, freeing up a roster spot, freeing up the cast base that Christian took up, uh, and getting these kind of resources of allocation money, this, this is an, puts us in such a healthy, cap-compliant way for this year and next. So importantly, when we decide the core players that uh, are part of this roster for next year, it only adds to how we go out and add the pieces that we now think will push us. From a playoff team uh, and/or championship team to even be a championship team every year.
2: I have one more question. I, and maybe this is a longer answer too, but and it's not just you guys; it's it's a, a trend in the league. Home versus road splits. You you're eight four and one at home, one and nine on the road. Real Salt Lake is nine one and two at home, one eight and two on the road. Um, you could play this game even with the top teams in the conference, like FC Dallas and, and Portland. Why such a discrepancy, whether it's for Minnesota United or other teams, home versus away?
3: So I, there's a twofold question. I'll start with the honest one. Well, we're also Lake and Minnesota are fighting for one of those last playoff spots, and we are where we are because we're not good enough on the road. So um, that's the start. Uh, you know, we, we have to get better on the world road. We have to start collecting points, whether it's ties or wins. Uh, we need to have more points, whether it's one or three points. So, ironically, we're, our next month and a half is a great challenge for us, and it's a great time for us to us to improve in that area. We have five away games, uh, in a month and a half before we come back home to kind of finish the season with a lot more home games. So, um, it, it's important that we, in this time of the year, really grow into being mentally tougher on the road and in finding ways to, uh, to get points. For the bigger outlay here, which is, you know, as we grow into this special sport and and get more people excited and and learning about it, um, which has been amazing, and and the fans, it is tough to play in the road. It is that soccer is a demanding 90-minute physical and mental uh, exercise, and it's a chess match, and it's a marathon. And, frankly, when you have your home fans, you have that extra energy that they bring to the games when you are in a a tough environment, your players – it's a tougher tougher road. Um, the refereeing gets affected, so you have to deal with maybe a referee not going to give you all the calls. So certainly, the teams—if you look at the top of the table right now— their road record will be better than those the examples you gave. Uh, but it is—it's a, a tough—it's a tough sport to win on the road. Ironically, ironically, it's why it uh, sometimes gets a bad rap. But it's why ties in soccer are kind of so revered on the road because people know how hard it is to uh, to achieve them.
2: Right. Thank you for uh, your time and explanation, Manny Lagos. We appreciate it. Good luck.
3: Love it. Thanks, guys. We appreciate all the support, and uh, it's been a great year. Let's finish up strong. And like I said, we are even though we have this moment, I I am really excited about these last two or three months. Again, the roster and the team and the guys. I think they've had a really good month and a half of soccer, and we put ourselves in position to make the playoffs. So that's that's our goal. Right on.
2: Thank you, Manny. Thanks again. All right, Manny Lagos, the sporting director of Minnesota United FC. The big news yesterday—it's definitely the. The biggest trade in franchise history in terms of an outgoing uh, asset, Christian Ramirez to LAFC, and smarter people than me who know formations. It it, it would be like having three second basemen and you only have yeah. a. Uh, and now you can choose your formations. And Adrian Heath's formation, you just have too many forwards for what he plays, and so three
1: five two, Phil. So they
2: had an expendable it's the three five two.
1: Asset. Yes. And Chris, Thank you, Judd. And Christian didn't start the last match, and he was on the bench and not happy. And I love so the mocking tone happen. about the most popular no, sport no, in the world. No, I'm not mocking it. No. it's the three. They had gone to the 3-5-2. I'm not mocking it one bit. I he like mocked it a little bit, didn't no, he? No, I did not. It was a little bit. No, mocking. no, that was not Judd mocking. I'm Can just, you explain the 3-5-2? Yeah, three up front, five in the middle, two back, and then you got your your keeper. 3-5-2. Are
2: you sure it's not the other way?
1: Oh, it's the Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait! Three (laughs) in the back. Three (laughs) in the back. I'm not mocking it. I'm not mocking it. Serious. Important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back
0: after this brief timeout on 1500 ESPN.
2: Mackie and Judd are back.
0: Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off on
2: 1500 ESPN.
0: Registration is underway for the 37th edition of the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Running from downtown Minneapolis to the state capitol grounds in St. Paul on Sunday, October 7th Accomplish a bold feat while savoring the scenic beauty as two cities cheer you on Run the most revered event in Minnesota running It's the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Details at 1500ESPN.com Keyword Events and now, Phil Mackey updates Judd Zolgad on the latest happenings from The Bachelorette. I
3: have to do all this alone afterwards now. i do it all alone. I'm to go through all this alone. <laughs>
1: <sighs> I knew it.
2: I can imagine how happy she's going to be when Garrett proposes to her. Did you watch uh did you watch the whole thing last time? Sounds or like did Tommy
1: her parts of it?
2: The uh, Oh, finale. I was in and out constantly. No. <laughs> I, I was saw,
1: I was flipping back and forth between Dick, Bert, and the Bachelorette.
2: You know who uh, live tweeted the hell out of this last night it was our buddy Golick Jr. Golick Jr. was strapped oh, in yeah. for three hours last night. I think him and mom should tweeting. sit
1: down and watch it on a weekly basis. Is it him and mom? I think yes. I think they both sit down and dissect
2: it. I know there used to be a twins contingent in the spring. Right. Or I think it was in the spring, maybe when the show was on at Phil the Hughes. time, and they yeah they'd hold parties right. to watch the Bachelor Bachelorette. Yeah, you're still I'm in. You. Uh, well, I, this is my fourth season being in on this. I'm, I'm actually uh, I'm a semi contributor on You Get a Rose, a Bachelorette and Bachelor podcast mm-hmm. that's uh, produced by My Talk 1071 mm-hmm. And anytime Chris Harrison, the host, opens the show by saying, "Just a warning to the audience: emotional devastation on the horizon." It's going to be really uncomfortable to watch a grown man sobbing his eyes out on national television. And do we
1: think this was a first? or Blake. As far as the warnings go, or, I, don't, I haven't watched this happen before.
2: I haven't watched enough to have context. I'm very new to this. It would be like discovering but the just, NFL for the first time. Like, oh my god, the Patriots! I have a. This a hunch, is crazy.
0: I have a hunch. Hyperbole may lend itself to that type of broadcast. That's a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, just maybe. It was like back from every commercial break. Chris Harrison would come in and say, "Just a warning." This is about to get emotionally devastating. What you're about to see is very
0: graphic. (laughs) Avert your eyes if necessary.
2: But this poor dude. So put yourself in this dude's tux for a second. So he goes through this competition, probably enters the show like, oh, it'd be fun to be on TV and whatever. And then realizes, okay, yeah, I got some feelings now. Feeling pretty good. Went on a date. The gal's from Minnesota. Yeah. uh, Becca lives in uptown somewhere. And then you find yourself in the final two after like three months of taping. You're in Cancun, it's 90 degrees, you're wearing a full suit and a tux, and you're going through a whole spiel in front of her in a wedding dress, explaining how much you love her, not knowing what she's going to say. The drama. Oh no. She might crush your soul and completely end your life in that moment. And that's what happened to Blake I got a question here. Okay, I've got a serious question. So
1: she lives here. This filming got done what? About three months ago. Okay and she picked a guy clearly. Yeah. So could she so she comes back here then to live her life. Can she not be seen with him then?
2: She can't be seen with him but they definitely have, they sneak around and they find ways in the production crew. I think if you give it away, okay. you are you you sign a uh, a non-disclosure agreement. So if you give it away, I think they can sue you or at least not pay you or whatever so it is. So what if
1: he so like let's say she has an apartment in uptown right now and he gets here and sneaks upstairs and somebody wore, sees him. He said last he night,
2: He said he wore wigs. That he wore like a mullet wig and he would just he'd roll in in disguise. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had like the Danglad mullet wig okay. or something so in. I like this guy then. <laughs>
0: well and she's been busy obviously the last few months doing promotion You know, going all over the country, I
2: assume. So, And here's the sad part. Just like our Minnesota sports teams and athletes. So she said, he's going to come to Minnesota for a little while, but then we're going to move to California. (laughs) Of course. Come on. Just like the Lakers. We're not not going to be Brian Dozier. Just going to be, yep. Christian Ramirez. Nobody wants to stay here. Yeah, nobody. We're not good enough. Nope, you can't just can't just live your life Why and, can't and enjoy to the, the Minnesota middle weather, of, in middle of America, and enjoy themselves. Yeah, I guess if family. you don't want four seasons, you can have one season. That's fine. We got four up here, but you got earthquakes though, and wildfires now. Yep, you're taking your chances What's What's in California. On? You really are. So everyone leaves us. There's Talk a, about crying. We should cry. This dude. Not only was this dude bawling his eyes out, but he's sweating because he's in a suit and he's outside. I know so he's feeling. got just beads of. I know the the feeling. (laughs) I know the exact feeling. It's not comfortable. Oh, man. Uh, You can find our (laughs) on-demand stuff on 15 the Mackie and Judd show page, or anywhere you would generally download or find podcasts.